Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 192. It's Comic Book Club Day. Go to youtube.com slash Nerdist to watch Comic Book Club live. Well, it's not live, but it's a live show that they taped. So it was live at one point. I guess ultimately everything was live at one point. So maybe that's not the best way to rate time. Nerdist Podcast has a couple of live shows coming up ourselves where you can experience them live or not if you're in a temporal rift. Uh, Come to the Vic Theater in Chicago, Friday the 13th. Uh, Also on Saturday, we're going to be in Iowa City, Iowa. Then the following week, we're going to be at the uh, Royal Oak Music Hall in Royal Oak, Michigan. Lots of fun shows coming up, but we did have to cancel our show at State College in Pennsylvania. I'm so sorry. It was uh, it was our goof. It was a bad it was it was bad routing on our part. Uh, well, I you know I blame the airlines too, but basically we were supposed to be at the Royal Oak Music Theater on Friday the twentieth, then State College on Saturday the twenty first, and then I'm supposed to go shoot something in New Mexico on the twenty second, and the there no airlines fly direct from all to all those places, and so it was just unfortunately we just can't get to everywhere we need to go in one weekend so we do have to sadly reschedule uh, state college pennsylvania show i'm sorry pennsylvania we'll come back to you soon um the thing we're shooting in albuquerque is pretty amazing so maybe that'll make up for it when we are able to announce that um but apologies aside I would like to say this episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you go to this episode's page on Nerdist.com and then click on the Amazon banner, you just shop as you normally would, and then everything you buy uh, ultimately supports the Nerdist podcast to uh, to keep this uh, ghost ship afloat. Well, I guess ghost ships float anyway. That's really part of what a ghost ship is. Otherwise, it's just a sunken ship, right? Unless it's a spacecraft, and then it's just like a dead ship floating into space. Jim Gaffigan's back on the podcast. He has a brand new comedy special. It's out today. It's called Mr. Universe. It is available at jimgaffigan.com for $5. You can download it. Go straight to the artist. Huh? That is, I fully support this type of transaction. So, uh, yes, Jim Gaffigan's doing the digital download model for his new special, and I I cannot encourage you enough to support it. Uh, Mr. Universe is an amazing comedy special. Jim is in top form. And uh, I don't know if you saw any of the, the sneak peeks floating around online about his uh, the whales bit, but his chunk on whales is amazing. Uh, you can see it on YouTube. But uh, it's $5. Five, that is less than going to see a comedy show live. $5 for an amazing hour of comedy, and that money will go directly to, to Jim. So jimgaffigan.com. Download it for $5 right now. Uh, and here he is. It's always We actually recorded this one at NerdMelt. We don't record all of our... Our Nerdist podcast at NerdMelt, uh, but this one we did, uh, engineered by Katie. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> How you doing, Katie? Hey, got any big plans for today, Katie? No. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking. So you, you don't have to edit all. You don't have to edit all this out. Just leave it in. Fuck it. These people are nice. All right, Nerdist podcast episode number 192 with Jim Gaffigan. Dot com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Oh, there I am. Oh, oh there I am. By I wanna, the way, thank I you. I want to go higher. Thank you, you guys, there we for go. doing this. I Yo, really of course. And listen, anytime. Oh, 
That's what I am. I'm four. You know you're and welcome to come on the show and, anytime and you want. And I'll follow you on Twitter, too. If you... <laughs> Isn't it amazing how important that is? You're like, eh, so-and-so doesn't follow me. <laughs> or if they unfollow, you're like, what did I do? Yeah. Well, also among comedian peers, it's like you, you don't even have to know the person. Right. But it's like, he's a comedian. You should follow him. <laughs> That's the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like he, he or she might have the, the type of comedy that is antithetical to anything that you would hold dear but you should follow them because it's professional courtesy. That's right. Yeah. You're, you're, it's sort of like uh, how you apologize to someone if you didn't stick around for their set. I'm sorry. I gotta. Yeah, I can't yeah. watch your set. You're like, I don't care if people stick around for my set. I don't care at all. I use the excuse of I'm trying to keep it under 350. <laughs> That's what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. I I just, uh, it's, you know, when people say, oh, when people say shit to you on Twitter or, or whatever, you should just let it go. And I always go, yeah, but comedians, actors, definitely, comedians in particular... Literally the most sensitive b- bunch, right? As as a career, the yeah. probably the most because you're you're hypersensitive to the world because that's you absorb stuff and then you translate it and you write jokes. So we are naturally sensitive and and you know insecure. So that stuff just pokes at our nerves. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's Twitter is very fascinating too because. We, you know, I have to, you know, I write a lot with my wife. We write everything together, and so she'll she'll do tweets, not nearly as often. And someone will respond, and I literally have to hold her back <laughs> from responding. And I'm like, you can't respond. It's like just imagine that this is like a YouTube comment, not to criticize YouTube comments, but, but they're 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 more crazy, right? You can criticize YouTube comments. Yeah. I'm you like, know. so I I got this special that I'm trying to sell. So I'm like, I don't want to lose the YouTube comment, people. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> but I literally had to hold her back from from replying because I, you know, and then you know, but but we all have that feeling. But what we intellectually forget is that most of the time these people are just trying to get a response. They're trying to get attention. Mm-hmm. So if you go to their feed, they've said I like uh, I want your dick to everyone. Right. You know what I mean? That's kind of a compliment, yeah, though. Yeah, that's kind of a compliment. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't feel like I was being bad. That's the like, worst insult I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> Someone wanting my... Jim, I'd that's really how... like to fillet you. They didn't oh, my God. Say... Would you they... stop ripping on no, it? No, I mean, they... I'm just saying. They didn't even say dick. They said penis. <laughs> <laughs> and they did it in brackets, and then they apologized. That was the most rude anyone's ever been Fuck to you, me. man. I want your dick. Hashtag, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, wh- you were on one of our first Nerdist podcasts. I was. Like, the first handful of... New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, also York. on one that never, never uh, aired. Never aired. <laughs> oh my god, that was so heartbreaking. <laughs> that was a fun one. I can send it you the good. file, but it'll it it'll good. drive you nuts. It's yeah, you did you did that show in New York. No, and... it's not even that. It's just a tick. It's a t- someone like a click yeah. track yeah. that yeah. whoever was recording the venue was recording, and something it was like a metronome. Yeah, and it just. You know, oh man, that I think it was fucking bummed I think it was an out. ungrounded cable. That's what I think it was. Oh, is that what it was? That's what I decided. Uh, that's what I would think it yeah, is. Yeah, right, Jim? Come on. Like un- <laughs> I want your dick, ungrounded cable. That doesn't make sense. Um, but it's nice to have you back on uh, for people listening. This is your second time on <laughs> in reality. This is, uh, this is fun. And I was saying this when we were walking up the stairs. It's like getting comedians to talk to each other. Is it's it's kind of like us doing a set. Like when we do a set, they're like, "Can you do a set for my uh, kid's school? It's a benefit." You're like, "Well, I was gonna do comedy anyway." And they're like, "Here, let me give you a gift basket." You're like, "No, I was gonna do a show anyway." No, you don't understand. I need to do this so I can sleep at night. So doing a podcast, it's. I mean, I don't know if you guys identify with this. I mean, some of it is I have four kids, but there, there, uh, some of 
I get to have conversations with comedians or people I like when I do podcasts that I never get to talk to. I mean, I live in New York and you live in L.A. Yeah, they're never not. They're always fun. Like, yeah. I always walk away from them. And like, I always oh, thought good. when I, you know, when I was first starting the podcast, I just, I just thought, you know, sitting backstage at like UCB or whatever, where there's a, where there's more than one or two comedians, right? There's just a lot of fucking around, right? And right. that's fun, and that's that's kind of what we should be doing. Yes, that I think it's very fun, and it's uh, it's also you know living in New York, it's you know there's like I used to come out to LA more often, so when you don't come out to LA, there's like oh like I wasn't even out here for the beginning of Meltdown. Like I, Alex was like, you're gonna do Meltdown tonight, and I'm like. Really? What's meltdown? <laughs> it was like I was the equivalent of like someone's grandparent saying, "What's this email thing?" You know, because you, you get electronic out of mail. Explain it to what me. What is this? Let me just I, say, that where do I put the stamp? I would like someone to remove my mother's forward button on her email. Oh, why? What is she forwarding you? The weirdest things that, like, you know, Obama's. A, not born in the United States, things like this. Still, oh, I'm still getting that. That's really depressing, and I'm isn't like, it? What is happening? And then there was like this thing that I just got that was forwarded. I, I read the chain down, and it came from somebody, and then went to my aunt, and then went to my mother, and then my mother forwarded it out to a bunch of people, including like my siblings, and and it was uh, take a look at this, and it was a picture of uh, Reagan, uh, do, yeah, doing some sort of speech with the American flag behind him. Uh, in the press room at the uh, Oval Office, and then uh, uh, George Bush, George W., Bill Clinton, all of them had the flag behind them because they're in yeah. the press room. And then uh, it was it was Obama, uh, not in the press room at all. He was in uh, one of the hallway rooms uh, at the White House that doesn't have an American flag. <laughs> And that's what they were. <laughs> they were like, every president had the American flag behind them in the Oval oh Office. Look at what happened. <laughs> I, you know, that enrages me so much, I I can't even yell about it. Well, you know, it's so frustrating because there's this generational divide, right? That is, but I, what I don't understand, we're talking about your mother, who yeah. you love and who's an intelligent who was person. Very intelligent. Oh, I mean, I'm mad that there right? was no flag in the back. That and, goddamn communist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I, you know, my aunt... Who uh, is a great lady who, yeah. who um, when I was a little kid, lived with two gay men and was like living like the Mary Tyler Moore lifestyle, yeah. working as a producer in D.C. It's like now she's like a total right winger. Yeah. That, like and there's you know, it's just my 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 big gripe is that there's this absence of dialogue. But then again, I don't even when people bring up that like Obama, you know, was in the, you know. The, the the they warned us in the Bible that Obama's gonna end the world. <laughs> I don't know if I want to have a conversation with them because what else? Anything else they say is sort of like what, what happens to some of these people? And what? And is there a switch? You know, it's I like switch, you know what? I'm gonna wear this. I'm gonna start wearing dark socks chemical. with sandals. I think, and, I think it's chemical. Really? It's, it's this, yeah. Here because well, first of all, there's a couple things that are happening when you get older. I think a human being's lifelong quest is for significance, right? Yeah. So whether it be, like you said, people commenting on to try to get a reaction on Twitter right, or YouTube right. or whatever, they're seeking significance by trying to get your attention. And so as you get older, it's probably harder and harder to feel significant. And so you – like that is older people going, oh, my God, I've discovered this thing, and they want to pass it around and share it. So that, I think, is an emotional uh, mechanism. I think the chemical mechanism is sort of like you know, my dad in the last – my dad's 70, and in the last maybe 10 years – 
he's gotten gushier. Like, my dad was never a gushy kind of a dad. Right, right. He was cool, but never like, oh, I just want to see you and give you hugs and right, stuff. Right, right, right. And so, uh, but as as this is as men get older, they their estrogen levels go up. Right, and right. so we they get that, like yeah. so. My dad is much more like, oh, family and love, right. and let's all. I just want to see you. You know, not that he didn't want to before, but now he makes a point to really be gushy about it, which yeah. is sweet. But I also think that you know, chemical changes make us make different choices as we get older and maybe this is related to that in well i also think that i think that some of it is environmental too it's like these people you know uh matt you know your mom included especially your mom yeah no, no but i think that some of it is i mean you tour around and you see this it's 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 where people are you know it's like if you're raised in you know i was raised in a small town <clears throat> it was decidedly christian it was, you know, you know, it was relatively, you know, I would, I don't know. But it's so it's like I was very anti-Christian when I was like a teenager. I was like, these nut jobs. Mm-hmm. And now I'm much more forgiving of that. And so I guess the point is, is if someone grows up in, or, or lives in an environment where everybody's a Republican and the norm is to be Republican and if they're part of a bowling league and everyone's a right winger, it's like eventually you're going to become a little bit more like them. Yeah. Sure. They moved to Florida. I and if you watch it. Fox News enough, you probably will start believing that. I mean, I really think that Fox News proves that it, objectivity in delivering news is impossible. Yeah. And that's why I'm running for senator. <laughs> I mean, is that the last thing? <laughs> here? No, no, but I, but, I, but I agree. If you, I mean, the, one of the frustrating things about our about the way news is delivered or just the way we get information is that there's always it's always point of view driven yeah. it's never it's never well these are just the facts there's always some point of view to because a story needs some kind of point of view for people to latch on to so they'll watch a show so it'll get ratings so they'll buy it you know like it's not it's and it's too hard for people to sort through like people just want to be told how to feel about things. It's just easier that way. They just right. want to be told how to tell me how to feel about this thing, fine. And so, you know, like with Fox News for instance or any news source, they're going to cut it in such a way that kind of gets their agenda across cuz they know they're talking to their audience. Yeah. No, I totally think that I don't know. It's it's uh it's just, it's just a confusing mess, but I I feel like the the uh, I mean because I I watch all the different news stuff and I love it, but it there it reaches a point where I'm like ugh you know <laughs> it's just I mean I love Rachel but it's like it's like what like when the newscasters have the um the the feuds among the channels <laughs> I'm just like really it's like you know I don't even th- you know people always assume that comedians hate each other but it's like comedians would never indulge in the drama of having a feud. You know, uh, on to the consistency that we see on cable news. Yeah, what I'm saying East is we got to kill all the cable yeah. news. People. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. It's just whenever you watch, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't watch cable news, and they're like, and on the other channel, that guy's a jerk, and you're like sitting there going, "Can you just give me the news?" Right, right. I'd like some information. Well, it's it, it is sort of, it's sort of the interesting idea. I like to think that if I ever ran for office, and I'm never going to run for office, but if I were ever to run for office. You know, when I see all the crazy mudslinging, I always just kind of go, why are you wasting energy talking about how much someone else sucks? Why aren't you talking more about what you're going to do that's good? Like, yeah. why get caught up in it? And and I, I, I guess, 
I don't know. Because it's the perception yeah. business, which is exactly what the same business we're in. Oh, totally. It's a strange... Don't you feel like comedy, though, is more of an ad business? It's, I feel comedy is more like advertising than anything else. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, like... Stand-up comedy is, its I think it's a lot of perception. I think that, you know, I, I don't, you know, like I've had some success and I can't really identify what did it. You know, like people will sit there and they'll go, oh, Dane just, you know, did this marketing push. No, he has a, he, he had a very strong appeal for, you know, 14-year-olds to whatever, 20-year-olds. So 14 and a half. You know what I mean? It's like, and then I start talking in advertising terms. <laughs> Among a key demographic that would buy in. So be a, Jim, so. Jim, where'd you get all these charts? Well, I've, uh, I brought these. <laughs> like, but uh, I don't know. I think that there's something, uh, there's a meritocracy in stand-up, too. So I, sure. I don't think that people just get hoodwinked. I think there is pressure to watch and enjoy something among your kind of mini-culture. So yeah. You know, Louis is the comic of the day, yeah. right? And I think that he, you know, we know that he's brilliant, but I think that every comic that becomes huge, whether it's Seinfeld or whether it's the TV show Seinfeld, I think there's 10% of the people of the 100% that love that that comedian or that show that are just on for the road. They're, they're on for the ride. Right. They're like, you know, I don't really get it. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. in my show there's 10% of the people that are like, this. you know what, well, you know, my wife or girlfriend. Yeah, there are definitely it. people, there are definitely people, and, you know, I can say this, you guys don't have to say this, but, you know, I I, as, I love Louie, and he's definitely one of my favorite comedians, you know, I, I, but I, but he's definitely one of those people of the moment right now that no one will say anything bad about because they don't want to look uncool. Right, but I don't. But I'm not saying that they should say anything bad about him. But I, I'm just saying, yeah, no one, you know, like he. There, it's not. It's not Louis specific. It's just sort of, you know, there's there are there are sort of people that pop in culture as being like he's. It's interesting for him to be like super fucking cool guy of the moment because he was. He, he. I'm sure he's never felt that way. Well, it's also interesting because you you, you said like advertising marketing and like Louis almost did the anti advertising right. He's. Yeah. He's not someone who really kind of plays by uh, – he doesn't kiss any rings, really, you know, and his TV show, the HBO show, was considered unsuccessful. But I think there's also a consistency there of of quality that just unrelented. And once NPR kind of anointed him, I think the, the waves just started crashing. Well, I d- I and again, just... as we've said, it's like – it's not as if the comedians – didn't know he was brilliant for like 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, Louis in particular, I mean, I think probably besides being, you know, an amazing comedian, I think the thing I respect the most about him is just that, uh, is just that he does what he wants to do and that he makes that work. Like his show is just the show that he wanted to do and his stand up is the stand up he wants to do and releasing his uh, his last special was what he wanted to do right. and and he just you know I always I always have a great respect for people who just kind of go like yeah I don't need the system fuck it I'm just going to do my own thing. And right. that and I think that's why I think that's where I have the most respect for him besides, you know, besides being one of my favorite comics, but I I think that's where he really that's that's his, that's his real talent as well, right? Right. But as far as comics being advertisers, I just mean, you know, if I'm watching Mad Men or whatever, like even Bewitched, and they're like, "Here, we've come up with this." It's like as a comic, you're selling a concept to someone that they didn't know they needed to know, and you're figuring out how to package it for them. 
Like, that's what I mean by stand-up is like advertising. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because there's also something uh, to, to the aspect that I think that people like to discover c- comedians. They, yeah. they, they like to have a percentage of ownership. I think Nerdist is that way, too. I think that nerds are like, there's a self-identification. You know what? I am a nerd. These guys are talking about, they're talking about me. You know, it might not be across the line. They might sure. be Dr. Hugh, Dr. Who. It shows you how little I know. Dr. Hugh. <laughs> Dr. Hugh, right? He's that great. house guy, right? Hugh, 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 Hugh Laurie. No, Dr. Who. But, you know, the nerd kind of span is pretty enormous. So if people get three, it's like Comic-Con. It's like not everyone that goes to Comic-Con is across the board, you know, with every Comic-Con of course. event. But I think that, with comics, there is a self-identification similar to to music, but there's something of this moment where, um, you know, this is a good time for comedians. It's so, an amazing time. I mean, not I. I think probably not since. I mean, I don't want to doom it, but maybe not <laughs> since the '80s. You know, was there so a time where comics could have their voice in the world? as much as we do now, right. but just not through traditional media means. I mean, there's still very little stand-up on television. Yeah, there is. It's it's amazing, you know, doing theaters. That didn't exist when we started. Right. I mean, it, it may be for Cosby, you know, <laughs> right. but, like, I don't think even Seinfeld, I mean, he didn't, he didn't do stand-up when he was doing that show, but, you know, the blue-collar guys and Dane really... Open that door, and now there's a lot of comedians that you're doing theaters. Everyone's We're doing theaters, yeah, and you know, and, you know, and and also on the on the more alternative side, uh, Dave Cross and Patton like started doing rock clubs where they figured yes. out like, oh, we can keep ticket prices lower if we go do rock clubs, you know, and get out of it was it was it was all, but at the core of it, it was all just to get out of the fucking comedy club business, which right, be, right. Which, well, it's also finding. I mean, I think. Comedians, you're funnier in front of people that get you. Sure. Yeah. You know, there's nothing better than performing in front of a room where you have new material and you see some familiar faces. They're on your side. You're going to yeah, be yeah. funnier. It's great. And so it makes sense for, you know, David Cross, for everyone, you know. How do you, uh, how do you, you just, is, is this special that's coming out, is it your fourth or your third? It's uh, my third hour, but your my third fourth, hour. you know, uh, I did a half hour right. before. Um, so how did you? How do you get ready for? I mean, how do you? How do you amass new material, and where do you? Where do you try it out? I I do a lot of. Uh, well, I do clubs and uh, alternative or underground or whatever they're called now. You know, it's um, meltdowns. What? <laughs> no, you know, it's it's you know, there's different terms. It's kind of like. We don't want to, you know, like the African American community didn't want to be called black anymore. It's like the alternative rooms where you don't want to be called un- uh, underground. We don't want to be called alternative. It's like right. what, whatever we're supposed to be called now. You know, is it weird if we if we just try to cross them and call the underground rooms black rooms, or does that we should make call sense? them black rooms? <laughs> yeah. So we you're doing a lot of black rooms. So I'm doing a lot of black rooms, and <laughs> no, it's it's a, a mix of straight comedy clubs doing sets there and. Uh, alternative rooms. Yeah. I feel like the alternative rooms are really important for, um, you know, that's where like some, it's like true serum, right? Right. Because in a comedy club, they can be like, hey, it's the hot pocket guy, ha ha ha. Right. But in an alternative room, you know, they'll be like, wait a minute, are you really talking about this? <laughs> you're talking, if you're going to talk about hotels, you better make it really original, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and also, but I feel, you know, I, I, 
I've kind of developed this weird, and I don't know, I wouldn't be able to write it down on paper, but there is a weird <laughs> algorithm that I know how well a bit does in certain rooms, how it's going to do. Like, I have this weird sort of relationship. Oh, that's, so, that's so up my alley. Yeah, it's like, I know, okay, I know if I do a joke at the open mic here at Meltdown, and if it, if it, if it gets an okay response, ah, there might be something there. And if I can take it to the alternative room, then I can play with it a little bit. But then how do I expand that and make it a little more broad for, for people who don't go to those rooms? Like, right. there, there is an interesting, and they all, they it, it only exists because I know all of those rooms is relationship to each other. Right, right. Yeah, and that's what you might have to rewrite and clarify. I mean, there's stuff that... I've thrown out that's, you know, it just becomes too esoteric. Because some of, of, you know, I do my shows, my theater shows, and there are people that are like, if I'm not talking about food, they're a little bit like, what's he doing? What's, what's going on? <laughs> and so there is, like, if I get too esoteric, I mean, I, it has to be mixed in with some stuff. But I also feel like that that, to me, means that I have to rewrite and clarify right do, do you feel as do you feel like do you feel like a, uh, in any sense that you're a, a little bit of a slave to success in that sense that you like well people have a certain expectation when they come out and i have you know i can't just do whatever the fuck i want to do well that's that's kind of the uh i would say no because some of it is there i don't think there's any sweeter situation than uh, a beautiful theater in you know uh, whether it's Kansas City or you know Tupelo, Missouri or Mississippi, where people have paid like thirty bucks to go to a beautiful theater that they have pride in, and they're usually on a date or they're you know with a couple friends. It's like environment, and then they they know you and they like you. You're gonna get some allowances. You sure. can go, you know, you can you can uh, kind of extend the. The perception. I'm just saying overall, there's a little bit of, you know, you know, like it's just strange doing a show because sometimes people, you know, you'll feel certain people in the audience like they just want to hear old stuff. Right. But, you know, without if you stuck to the old stuff, then you can't How most of the, you know, it's just insane. When you release a special, how much what's the percentage of new stuff that you do the next time you're out on the road? Well, this time, uh, you know, this special is coming out on April 11th, and I'm going to San Francisco, like, uh, I should know, but, like, in two weeks. But I, you know, I didn't put everything in the special. I mean, the special is, like, 75 minutes, but there's, like, 20 minutes that I didn't put in that I developed, Mm -hmm. or I should say that my wife and I developed, Jeannie. And so there is, there's a healthy chunk, but I... So, like, you know, it might be half and half, which is a little bit, you know, I'll probably get some emails. Because if you have, like, one old joke uh, to to a hypercritical person, they're going to be like, <laughs> it was all old stuff. And it was like, it was just one chunk. I know. So they I love, usually... People love to do that. They yeah. loved it. They loved <laughs> They loved it. It was all old. And you're like, no, it wasn't. It was, like, 89% new. But they're like... Because also, if it's a similar topic, if it's that's, a similar topic, they're like, well, it had to do with exercise. He's already done that. You're like, no, but there's... That it's funny. T- that really is like walking into a cafeteria and then just staring at the beans and being like, this place only has beans. Right, like, right. No, but you just need to turn your head a little bit and you can see that there are a lot yeah. of other foods readily available. Yeah. They love to do that. But, I, but theaters, I think the thing that I like about theaters, just 
from a psychological standpoint is that I think there's more of an emotional investment for people, even though I contend that comedy clubs are more expensive than going to see someone in a theater. They are. Oh, yeah. Because they totally are. You have to, it's, you're, you're paying a cover and a drink minimum, and the drinks are expensive, and you're probably going to get food. And you got a tip, unless you're an asshole. Yeah, and you, and you, you tip too. To so tip. it's yeah. So for two people to go to see you at a comedy club could be easily $100. Two right. people to go see you at a theater could be like sixty and an empty right. stomach, <laughs> or you know seventy five after the fucking um, you know ticketing Ticket fees. But yeah. but it's yeah. still cheaper. However, I think people look at comedy clubs as more disposable experiences than a theater where you go. I have I have received a hard ticket in the mail that says. Right. You know, so-and-so presents Jim Gaffigan at this theater, and it feels right. like a more of a thing. Yeah, and I think it's the environment of a theater. I mean, some of these beautiful theaters, I mean, even the Wiltern, you know, it's you, people drive by that, like, all the time, and they're like, all right, I'm going to go and see him here, as mm-hmm. opposed to yeah. in a comedy club. Even though a comedy club's uh, a much looser experience, and you can, I don't know, I feel like when I do theaters, I have to, it has to be pretty much A's across the board, because you want people... To leave going, all right, I'll come, I want to come back. It was worth the investment. Back. Yes. They, they want, you want to make sure it's yeah. worth the but investment. But it is interesting because comedy clubs end up being pretty expensive. I mean, now Super we're going to get in trouble by, you know, it's like <laughs> our friends that run comedy clubs are like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> we're already struggling. <laughs> I know the comedy club business is struggling, but I think the comedy business, I mean, listen, if anything, the comedy club business might be struggling the way a lot of other in- industries are struggling. And so the idea is like, we'll fucking adapt and learn how yeah. to do it better. And maybe it's good that you're struggling now so you can figure out a better system. And, you know, it's a survival of the fittest. The ones that don't figure it out won't. But you know well, you know very well what it's like to go into a comedy club and you just kind of, they just sort of treat you like, you're just here to distract people so they'll buy chicken wings. Exactly. And, you know, I get that. You know, I don't think that my comedy is the most important thing in the world, but I do have a little bit of pride in what I do, and I don't want to feel like I'm just jumping around so people will get fucking drunk. Exactly. Yeah, and there's also, I mean, you know, you do a sound check when you you do a sound check and a light, you 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 adjust the lights and everything. It's like you set the mood. Whereas in a comedy club, you usually show up and you know they they could could have given away 40 tickets to people that just came from a funeral or they don't or <laughs> english is a third language you know it's like i did a show in detroit where literally there was like i would say there was at least 50 people that did not speak english at all they were just kind of i don't know what they were doing there they were just kind of hanging out having a birthday party opening presents you know it's <laughs> And, it's, and it was a good comedy club but just that night someone had gotten 50 tickets and it ended up that, you know, it's it's one thing that they weren't interested in me, but they weren't interested. They needed a large room to hold 50 people. <laughs> right. And so. so they figured, let's go to a place where no one else speaks our language. Yes. And then there'll be something going on there'll in the There'll be background. something going yeah. on. It's, they could have just gone to Chuck E. Cheese and gotten the same experience. No, you can't go to Chuck E. Cheese unless you have a kid. That's true. Do you know uh, that now? You can't. You can't know, go. I to, should know. Yeah, that. really. I told you. We that, were. Yeah, it bummed me out. We were driving by Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Matt and Joan and I were driving by Chuck E. Cheese in Colorado. And I was like, "Let's go to Chuck E. Cheese," and they were like, "Can't. You can't. You need a kid. You need. A, you need a kid." I've borrowed kids for that. That's, I'm not kidding. That's weird. That's, that's it's even not weird. It's sounding. not weird. It's like no. It's not weird. Hey, borrowing I'll kids. hang out. Listen, you want to uh, go do something? Fine. I want to play skee ball. Let me have your kid. Can I borrow? Can I borrow a couple kids? My son, they just talk about Dave and Buster. We talk, it took them to Dave and Buster's, and they're like, it's like Disney World for them. It is. We go to Dave and Buster's. Oh, are you talking about the one like in Times Square? Yeah. Yeah. And they loved it. 
Have you ever been to a Dave and Buster's? Of course. It's a grown-up Chuck E. Cheese. It's it fucking is. great. It's just, I mean, how else are you going to get the float, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I go and I lick the controllers and the joysticks. I'm just trying to get yeah, uh, Dave and Buster's and Sega GameWorks are fun, and like it's it's, oh, yeah. it's just all those all those grown. It's funny to see the people who grew up. Like with our generation who grew up in during the video game explosion, then get older and be like, we need to have a bar with video <laughs> games in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> people are, I, still remember, I wonder if I'm still going to be playing Xbox when I'm like 75. I wonder if all the retirement homes are going to have like Xboxes in them. Oh, yeah, that's weird to right? think about. They mu- they, of course they will. It's going to be everywhere. I mean, there's first of all, the way we're going, there's going to be a casino on every block. I mean, don't you feel like when you go to a city, they're like, oh, so it's down there by the casino. And you're like, "There's you don't even serve liquor in this county. And they're like, yeah, we got a casino. It's on a boat, though. So it has to be on this boat thing. This technically, yeah. It's just this guy. We're succumbing to like... It's like, yeah, and over there's the prostitution thing next to that church. But there's you know? no, there's no, how can it be on a boat? There's no river here. I know, well, we have a guy that goes down and scoops up river water, and as long as he can keep this yeah. one plot in front of it moist, then yeah. we can technically call it riverboat gambling. Every every city has that. I was just in Chicago yesterday. It's like, I was driving to my hotel, and there was, they're like, here's the access to the to the casino. And I'm like, I didn't even know there was a casino there. Have you been to Tunica, Mississippi? No. Tunica is right. It was right across the border from Memphis, and it used to be like the poorest county in Mississippi. And they legalized gambling there. And I think they did that weird riverboat thing where they diverted like an inch of water from the Mississippi River oh, yeah. in through the. It's like driving to Vegas, but instead of instead of desert, you're driving through cotton fields. And so you drive through cotton fields, and then all of a sudden you have these massive fucking casinos. That are quote I think technically riverboat gambling, but yeah. there's not really a river there, so it's uh, it's like the Seven Seas Lagoon at Disneyland. I guess kind <laughs> of. Everything follows a track. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but the gambling and totally now now Tunica is the richest county in in Mississippi. They did it. It's great. Yeah. By the way, I love performing at casinos. Do you I'm really? Not, I love it. I don't think they would like my. My nerdy snark. You can go to like a Foxwoods, play the theater at Foxwoods. Foxwoods is pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to be at Foxwoods. When uh, are you going to be there? I think June 2nd. June 2nd. Jim Gaffigan. June 2nd. Foxwoods and then I'll Casino. be in the Borgata June something else. Do you hit up Mohegan Sun? Uh, you can only do Foxwoods. Uh, or Mohegan Sun. Huh? Or Mohegan Sun. Oh, Foxwoods guy. Work. Me too. Oh, so. I like Fox. That's how we work too. You're not doing any other podcasts, right? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if we were like... <laughs> well, that'll probably come. The booking order. That will probably that might, come. That might at some point. Someone might do that. But I think it... I think it hurts everyone if everyone gets super like, oh, you can't be on yeah. that one, you can't be on this one. It's interesting how uh, all the podcasts, all the comedian podcasts, or maybe I'm just ignorant, but all of them are essentially in L.A. Yeah. A lot of them are, yeah. Yeah. If the, you, like, you could drop a bomb and take out all podcasts. Yes. You <laughs> it's can, like in a two-mile radius. Yeah, Don't, <laughs> thanks for giving Al-Qaeda ideas. <laughs> That's their first priority. <laughs> We need to destroy podcasting. But there's there's not many. I mean, there's uh, you know there's uh, there's a couple. You know, Bill Lee Burr, Camp, Rogan Bill Burr. is here. Um, you know, you of course, Mary. So Bill Burr, yeah. does Bill live here? I, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he does. Okay. Yeah, Bill does live here. It's another one. And uh, yeah, you you would you would take out you would take out most podcasts. It's interesting. And you know what that is? That's because you know in New York you never listen to the radio. You never because oh. you, you're. You know, you're on the subway, right. or in a cab, yeah. 
Whereas in L.A., see, I'm I'm also a sociologist. Oh <laughs> wow, more an charts. Anth- an anthropologist. You you must, it must be expensive to travel with all these charts. It is expensive to travel with all these <laughs> the charts. Oversized. I'm gonna get one of those iPads. <laughs> Do you not have an iPad? <laughs> I've got an iPad. Okay, good. And, and when I first got it, I was like, "This is great." Now I don't have to travel with my computer, oh, my laptop. Yeah. I'll just use this iPad. And then, and then I was just like, "All right, here, I'll just have my kid play with the <laughs> iPad, and I'll travel with my computer." I, I travel with an Air and an iPad. Yeah, it seems so counterintuitive. It's not counterintuitive. It makes sense. I don't even take my iPad with me. The Air is for work, and the iPad is for games and and media and watching stuff. My iPad sits. I, I lost it for two weeks, and then I found it under my bed. Really? And then I was like, "Oh, I guess I don't need this." Can't oh. wait for the new iPad, though. <laughs> I was so excited. I had a meeting with a guy, just a guy. Sure. No, he was like a movie producer guy, and he did everything on his iPad. And I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then I need a keyboard. And then I bought, you know, there's the thing where there's a keyboard yep. that you can add. Still in the box. Still in the box. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, uh, you know, I write on Word, you know, and I'm yeah. sure I could do that, but... I don't know. But it just, you know, you get into patterns. And if you're used to writing on Word and with with a certain interface, then it's hard. Final Draft is finally coming to the iPad. It oh, is. it is. Good. How fucking long did that take them? That was, that's ridiculous. That did take a long time. Like, seriously. <laughs> Maybe they were just seeing if it would catch on. Really? Well, that that software probably took a while to develop. No, probably I don't care. It could have been somebody that came in and stole their thunder. <laughs> <laughs> you should have used a Word Snazzy. <laughs> Word snazzy. snazzy. Word snazzy, it's free. <laughs> All you have to do is watch a commercial and then you can Word Snazzy would probably be that thing where it, it makes <laughs> it just puts a, a like an animated gift sparkle on every fourth <laughs> sentence. <laughs> just, like you're just you're just beda- bedazzle your docs. Would you like to know a restaurant nearby? No, thank you. <laughs> I'd like to finish writing this sentence. Okay. <laughs> so you're you're releasing your next special uh digitally. I am. Because I'm tech savvy. I literally call Chris in the middle. You know, I'll be like, hey, Chris, now uh, email. If I wanted to if I wanted to do multiple emails to people, and he's like, Jim, you have to read a book once. <laughs> um, no, I just start giving wrong information. We don't have the technology to do that yet. We can't do you that. Have to, but you've always been digitally savvy, though. Like, you I were, think, I, I mean, yes and no. You were one of the guys that had, that, that, that hopped on the I should have an email distribution list early on. Yes. Very early on. Well, I don't know if uh, very early on, I think I saw other people doing it, and I kind of hopped on there. It's kind of like um, MySpace and even Twitter. I was kind of, I mean, I had an account, but I didn't use it. I didn't really dive in right away. So, I mean, I feel like I'm always a little bit behind the curve. Uh, you know, MySpace is still big, right? No. Huge, huge. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, no, so some of the technology, and some of it is I'm, I don't think that I, I don't have the technology even half of the technology that you guys have. I don't you know. know if, what I mean? We don't use all of it. Yeah, no. <laughs> we have it, but we don't necessarily yeah. Like use Google all Plus. Of... I'm on Love Google it. Plus and I'm oh, like Oh, I'll put huh? you in my circle. <laughs> I think I I think I friended you. You on you, you on Instagram? I don't know what that is. See, oh, that's like fancy photos. Fancy, fancy photos. photos. That's, fancy that's a better photos. name. I'm on Husay. No, is... photo snazzy. Photo, photo snazzy. <laughs> Everything's Ding. just snazzy. Would you like a restaurant in the area? <laughs> no. <laughs> but so I'm always a little bit behind the the curve. But yes, I mean, I think it's Im- 
I mean, the email list thing was really important because it is, as you know, it's very frustrating. It's like you do a show in Atlanta, and then the next day you get a comment or a Twitter. When are you hey, coming when to you, Atlanta? When are you coming to Atlanta? And you're like, ah! I didn't shut up about Atlanta for a week. Here's If you look at my tweets, you yeah. can see like 10 look pictures of me. Like, here I am eating a taco here I am in, Atlanta. in Atlanta. Yeah. Here's the link to buy tickets to Atlanta. When are you coming? <laughs> Why don't you? But so, so some of it is I'm doing this download, but I there's some... Some of the decision was more gut to do it, you know. I mean, I was thinking of doing it before Louis. I invented it. No, <laughs> even before Coldplay, or I Radiohead, did it. Head, Radiohead. Yeah. I did it, and they wanted to do it. I'm not. Yeah, Coldplay, Radiohead. <laughs> uh, I think, John Elton. I think, I think even Cold- before John Elton. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cold. Just Cold- na- I can just name a band, right? Any band, yeah. <laughs> Before Captain Beefheart was doing all that. Uh, yeah, the you, Coldplay would be complimented by that, and I think Radiohead would be insulted by that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Well, I know that, too. Yeah. Because I've read, like, two articles on it. <laughs> and it was also Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, Trent Reznor. Yep. Right? And so, um, but my, my whole journey into the uh, download with no DRSM or whatever. DRM. Is... Uh, It started when I was I did this show Night of Too Many Stars, which is uh, a benefit for autism, Mm -hmm. and it was going to air twice. And I had uh, this chunk of material, my set, and to set this up, it's like Sarah was on the show. You know, Steve Carell simulated uh, uh, he 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 acted out having an orgasm visually, Mm -hmm. not physically, and then um, so there was some big filth right on the show, right. You know, Sarah, when she sings from her crotch, that kind of thing. Right. And so then I did my uh, my food chunk, which was uh, – and so then Smigel, who was uh, – who kind of spearheaded the thing, was calling me and he was like, uh, you're not going to believe this, but we uh, we have to kind of edit out some of these jokes. And I'm like, but I'm the clean one. <laughs> oh, no. I'm the clean one on the show and you're you have to edit me? You know, it's what like – What did they edit out? They ha- – you know, I, I was talking about uh, – uh, an advertiser. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's so, so fucking. So the great irony is, right? Oh. You know, they can beep out, you know, like a fuck or a shit. Right. And you know the, you know, like culturally, we've become accepting of like a blowjob reference. But if you go after the people that pay the bills. So the other day, I fucked my grandmother's pussy at Target. We're gonna have to edit out Target. What? Right. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of, you know, that was like two years ago. And I, I was like, well, and it was very apparent that, you know, the destination for this special was most likely Comedy Central. And I, and this new chunk that I had that I did would be part of a special. And, you know, it's very ironic also to have Smigel, who has triumphed the insult comic dog, telling me, right, Mr. Clean Food Guy, that I have to, you Did know. he tell you as triumph? Because that would have no. been awesome. No, he was... He, we Jim, were we la- have to cut the bit. We were laughing about it, right? Because he was like, you're not going to believe this. Standards and practices or whatever. The legal was... So that kind of made me kind of look outside of... Uh, what the options were, which was HBO, Showtime, and Comedy Central. And so I kind of was thinking about a lot of ideas. I was not thinking about doing the download necessarily um, when Louie did it. But Louie did it, I think, you know, and I think we learned from Louie that if you keep it really easy and really cheap and you're just very honest, I think that people will buy it. I mean, it's 
in the end, it's kind of like, what would you do, right? You know, it's like, hopefully your comedy is like what you would like, right? And so I think the download thing is, I was like, you know, when I bought Louis, I was like, you know, I, I would do this. It's like half as much as it would be on iTunes or Amazon. Well, not only that, but I think, I think ultimately, you know, when you've built up to a point where, you, I, I think you have to be big enough to make it make sense, like, I mean, obviously anyone can put a special on, but if you're talking about like, well, we want to, you know, it's, specials are very expensive to shoot. Yeah. You know, like $100,000, $150,000 to shoot a special. Yeah. Or so, more. Or more. So yeah. to, you know, you're going to need to recoup that money that yeah. you're spending. You have to be a big enough name for people to just want to go, oh, I'm I'm already on the Jim uh, Gaffigan bandwagon. Of course, I'll, I don't care where I see this thing. I, this is fine. I'll download it. Great. Right. So I think I think it's helpful that you guys are pretty well established in that. That's yeah, no, no, beyond a doubt. But there's also that's the the risk is also going back to what we started this conversation with this conversation mm-hmm. is that Louis is the comic of today. Louis is on the most critically acclaimed television show of today, and I haven't really been on TV for three years, and so. There is some concern. Like, believe me, my, you know, there were agents, you know, we probably have similar agents and managers that mm-hmm. were like, yeah, you know, this, this could whiff hard, really, you know, because Louis is also, um, has a big international following. So there is something, uh, you know, like I remember my agent kind of saying, he goes, Jim, people that like your comedy, they, they like the feel to hold a DVD in their hand. So that basically he was just saying that your your demographic isn't tech savvy. Right. And so, <laughs> which I don't think is true, right? Because, I mean, iTunes and Amazon, it's like, that's everyone. That's where we get our diapers but you're one from of the, iTunes. You know, you're, you're, no. one of the, you're one of the comics that, and, and not everyone can do this, but you are one of the comics that can play both kinds of rooms very successfully. Like, you can do mainstream rooms, but you can also do alternative rooms. Right. And it doesn't feel like, oh, this mainstream comic's trying to come in and uh, do his road jokes right, at right, the fucking right. alternative show, which I've seen go very wrong. And yeah. even myself, when I would when I would do long chunks of on the road and then come back and do like UCB, I like the the mechanisms like my delivery systems were all like road. Right. No, and, that's and I had the true to, like, serum. St- I had to strip it back down and be like, okay, no, you're just talking to these people. Right, and you're not right. in, you're not in road mode. Yeah, those rooms are really important. But I also think that there is something uh, at least, and this is like a window now. But I think there's also something about. Uh, the internet uh, where you can't you can't be motivated by greed right for people you know there's going to be people that are going to steal it and this is my gut right my gut is is if you're and and louis you know gave away uh tons of money but if if people on the internet think that you're trying to make a a shitload of money they're going to be turned off and then of they're course. just going to steal it but if if you're just like look i don't you know I want to make back my costs. I want to make some money, but I'm not trying to, you know, uh, buy a ten million dollar house or anything. Right. So I think there's and that's one of my guesses. It's like if you're not being greedy, then people will be responsive to that. And and I also think that it's the absence of like um, any corporate fingerprint. You know, sure. Because there were there were numerous kind of ideas that we had, and one of them was that um, I would partner with you know said company, you know, 
and and so they we would split the royalties they would advertise it and i would split you know so if it was five dollars they would get 250 and i would get 250 and my gut was that 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 kind of defeats the point because then there's still that corporate kind of interference and i think that like when i bought louis i was like all right it's five dollars louis you know what i mean it's like uh it's a very simple you know you're not dealing with it's not a consumer exchange it's kind of yeah i like louis here you go you know uh you're not you know it's like what is that a beer well but it's also exciting to to directly be able to support the thing that you like, the guy that you like. I yeah. think that's I think that's what you're saying. Where it's, yeah. it literally, it's you don't feel like it has. It's going through. Well, I'm giving it to you know this company, and then and then Louis will get paid. It's like no, you're just giving it directly to that guy, right? And I think we also know, and maybe we didn't know this in, uh, but we you know, and maybe it's a little in, but like those CD deals that <laughs> so bad, <laughs> it is just unbelievable. <laughs> and then you know the the CD deal was it's so bad, and then then we have to buy them, right? From you know, it's not like they give us like here's two hundred, you know. Right. We have to buy them from them. Oh, yeah. I don't know if most people listening understand that. Was As part of the CD, like the comedy CD deals, you do buy your own CDs at cost, which you then can sell on the road. Right. But you have to, you're, you still have to buy those. Right. And so... You have to buy your own comedy. You have to buy your own comedy. <laughs> right. And then... Uh, wouldn't it be so great if we were like, boy, in hip hop, they it's okay to say like, I'm going to buy a $10 million house. I'm right. going to take your money and buy a $10 million house. And people are like, here, take it. That's great. Right, right. <laughs> you can't yeah, do no, that in comedy. You can't do it in comedy. I no. don't think you can do it in comedy. And I think there's also uh, – well, it doesn't It doesn't fit the 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 spirit of a, a comedian. No. It's like nobody goes into comedy like, I'm going to become rich. Right. It's, 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 it's an absurd pursuit. I mean, now it actually is – I feel like people can go into comedy and eventually make money. I don't know. But when I started off, I, w- I was kind of resigned to the fact that I was going to be the crazy uncle that lived in New York that did stand-up. Oh, we're going to see your Uncle Jim. Just tell yeah, him just, he's funny. Yeah, he's, he's a comedian. Yeah. I mean, you know. Don't, let, was, don't, let, don't let this happen to your dreams. There was a, there was a good decade of uh, me being, uh, you know, Jimmy. Who really? Ten, ten years? Yeah, I would say. Well, maybe eight or nine. Still a lot. Still a lot. Still a lot of years. A lot of years. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, there was there was some very awkward years for, <laughs> at Christmas. So how's that comedy? So you don't get paid when you do those shows? Well, what else are you going to do to support the family? Yes. Yeah, so what uh, if you ever met a woman? What would that <laughs> Tell us what, what that would, would that be, be like. like? <laughs> so. uh, but you have... You have four kids now. I know. I have four kids. And did you say you, you were going to... And I don't even really like people. That's the thing that's <laughs> you're, really I mean, weird. You're making tons of them. Yeah, and I'm I'm creating them. <laughs> well, uh, A, unprotected sex is awesome. Yep. Yes. Uh, and B, uh, it's kind of nice that... Because I, I have so many friends, and then myself included, who are like, eh, I don't know about this kid thing, you know? And so it is kind of nice. So, like, I think you're having kids for... Definitely for all of the Nerdist podcasts. <laughs> yeah. A lot of comedians. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're picking up the slack. It is. It's weird when you have so many because people, you know, they, they definitely treat you a little bit like, oh, you have a lot of kids. Like, 
Rick Santorum and <laughs> Mitt Romney. You know, it's it's an absurd pursuit. It's it's absolute chaos. I mean, my wife comes from one of nine kids, and I'm the youngest of six. But it's definitely a lot of. I mean, she's the one having them. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's her fault. So you, wait, you're not having any kids? I'm not having okay. any. I'm eating, but I do love it. You know, there's also a balance of. You know, joking around about it, and also because you don't want to be the cliche of yeah, these kids are a pain in the ass. I mean, I really do love being a father. Yeah, but I also, you know, it is, it's just unbelievable. It's, I mean, I'm somebody who could sleep for ten hours and then get up and then take a nap, and <laughs> and now it's. But I don't know. I mean, I I don't want that to just be the focus of my comedy, but I do want to be clear that I enjoy it you know it's a very important thing. did you say you were you were doing a bus tour with the family yeah we're um we're <laughs> going on a bus across the we're getting picked up because some of it is like when you have so many kids traveling with them it's like four plane tickets right so and some of this was this was the todd glass pitch to us it was like you should get on a bus <laughs> you know it's hard because when you're flying you want to fly first class because it's cushier but yeah. then, if you have six people that are traveling, then it's then number one. That's all the first. You're class. all the first class. Yeah. Is, the, is the Gaffigans, yeah. and yeah. and then it's like you know twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's insane. Like I will never go to Australia. I mean, I'm resigned to the fact <laughs> because it's so expensive. Because it would be, I would want to bring my family, and it's like you don't go to Australia for like a weekend, right? It's like I really want to go there, but there's no way I'm not gonna. And, you know, it's like, I'm not Arge Barker. I'm not going to be able to sell tickets there. So it's like, I'll never go there. So anyway, so the bus will pick us up in New York and drive and we'll do shows uh, and we'll see Mount Rushmore. This It's my daughter's spring break. It's like, that's what, it's weird because, I mean, your dad was a bowler. I don't know what your, your you know, but it's like, it's going to be weird. You know, it's like, I'm, my kids, their parent their father is is a comedian and their mom writes comedy with their dad it's 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 weird it's almost like a kind of bizarre partridge family right where the mom didn't lose the husband right and but they're together and but they're doing comedy instead just... no actually that's a bad comparison because you'd have to be dead your wife would have to be doing comedy on the road with all of your kids and then I could be, be Ruben crazy... you could be Ruben I'll that's be where Ruben. it is you could be Ruben uh, and then you guys. He might like, have more more hair than me, <laughs> Ruben Kincaid. Oh, he had a good head of hair, that guy. <laughs> God, nice hair. Do you think? Uh, do you think the kids are into the idea of you know being on a bus? Are they excited about it, or yeah, do they no, not? They love it. They love it. I mean, they you know the kids that young, they're excited to be. You know, we went when I did the special in D.C. We all went down, and they took Amtrak, so they they loved it. You know, but I don't know. I mean, it's. It's, you know, we're going to Erie and we're going to Grand Rapids. So we're not, it's not as if we're, and here's the Golden Gate Bridge. It's, here's the, you know, I'm going to Williamsport. Here's the World Series Little League, you know. So you're going to be like, three three days in, you're going to be like, just drop, take us to the airport. Just <laughs> take us to the airport. Just take us to the fucking airport. But it'll be, it'll be good, I think. What is this special, I, I know... Just because I know your comedy, each special is all always kind of about something. So what right. what would you say is the theme? What's the name of the special? Mr. Universe. Mr. Universe. Yes. It's my self-effacing. Uh, no, but it's... Well, there's different chunks. I mean, I think this one's very much about uh, denial. Okay. 
And uh, now it turns into an NPR conversation. Jim, Jim, would you tell us um, a little bit what went into You mentioned the... denial so often in this special. Is, is this a, a denial reason? right now? Is this is a there, meta denial? Is it, no, I think there's some denial. Um, so there's. Uh, <laughs> you should do one of your jokes just NPR style. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's interesting when you have four kids. If you want to know what that that's like, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the jazzy. We'll be right back. By the way, NPR, I'd do anything for you. Um, <laughs> no, and uh, so yeah, no, it's weird because you know there is a beginning, middle, and end, but it's not as if. Uh, and then I, my final thesis. Is right, that it's denial that we no, existed. but 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 I didn't, but I, you know, like I just got, to, I'm I'm in the process of going through and editing my first special, and you know, there are a lot of jokes that I really like, but I'm going to take them out because they they just don't really relate. They're just jokes that worked on the road, but they don't necessarily relate to you know the the large chunk of material that kind of thematically makes up what the special's about. Yeah, well, there's. I mean, I I feel like uh, there's there's self-contained chunks, right? And some of it is there's a there's a, there's uh, information in there that kind of informs the next chunk, and so hopefully the chunks become funnier, and then they're all tied together with callbacks and and uh, point of view and. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's strange because I, you know, the editing of a special is it's it's pretty hard because there's the DVD version, right? Yeah. And your instinct is to like let's get everything in there. I mean, we got everything, but you know, there's no sense in just putting jokes in there to put them in. Right. But and and the problem is is that once you've you know do your final cut, you know, immediate, when you shot your special, immediately the next two days you thought of tags, right, for jokes. Well, not only, yeah, I thought of that tags. That changed even the point of view of the material. I right? remembered, like, a joke or two that I just forgot to do. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I was like, fuck, and, and just trying to be okay with, well, I guess I could put it in the next one if it still makes, <laughs> if it's still relevant to me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the special thing, I, I like it because it's also... Uh, a snapshot it's kind of you know you're graduating from college or you're getting you know uh a rite of passage it's like all right here it's my, now i'm a man i've done this or i don't know there's something cleansing about it once you get it out there then you know there's that absolute fear of i got to get more material i mean this time i i have like 20 minutes that i didn't put in this special because I knew that there was more to the material, but so easy to become a joke hoarder. Where it's like, I these jokes, I need them. Like, well, yeah, no, 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 just write new ones. Yeah, no, there's some people that do specials and then they wait a year till they have an hour and then they release it. Mm. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. It's an gotcha. interesting idea. But... Yeah, that is an interesting idea. Well, I just I know that. I don't know when my specials come out. I think it's in the summer, but I know that when I perform after the special comes out, it's got to be. You know, mostly, almost entirely new stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, for, you know, here we are, nerdists. For the comedy nerds, the comedy nerds are going to know this stuff inside out, right? And yeah. That's where, I mean, I think it's weird when, um, you know, I had this, it wasn't in this special, but I talked about something where I referenced bacon. And when I would do the material 
that reference bacon in a theater, people would be like, great, he's going to do the bacon material. So everything has a context yeah. for for the comedy nerds that love your stuff. I don't know. Does that make any sense? It, it, does. it does make sense. Yeah. But I, now I was just thinking about... I was just thinking about what it must be like when you do, you know, your your four, your fourth appearance or your third your third special, and that it it becomes more of a uh, just an upper level kind of a game where you're you're not just oh these are a bunch of things that I've always thought were funny and here they are when you do your first special and just thinking about you having to navigate like well this is too much like the old special yeah. but if I do this and people are going to connect it to this but now they kind of expect this so now it has to be this like there you've almost your previous specials have almost set up set up like an obstacle course or like yeah. a steeplechase oh, totally. totally for you to which even narrows down the scope of what you can write about even further yeah i mean i feel like i've exhausted uh, every food item i mean it's <laughs> there's going to be a natural progression and you know this special is Far more, uh, there's a stronger point of view on that one uh, chunk that that uh, that got edited, where you know I was talking about a major advertiser. I mean, I th- you know I was very critical of them, but it, it's I was also very cri- you know it's a social criticism of our you know I'll, I might as well say it, but it's McDonald's, mm-hmm. and it's like I was kind of doing the the contrarian. To the contrarian, so we we know that McDonald's is horrible for us. But I was kind of taking the point of view of it's you know it's a burger place, you know it's not some health food shop, you know it's like McDonald's is like heck even our spokesman's a pedophile, and so is <laughs> a pedophile clown from the seventies. Now I right? think even the McDonald's executives would have to admit that that was true. Well, no, that's the but there's like there's like a bunch of jokes like that in that chunk and to. To you know, uh, you know, Comedy Central. I mean, they they have to protect their advertiser. You know, it's just cover your ass, right? The mentality of cover your ass. Even though we are comedians, the truth of the matter is, most advertisers do not have a sense of humor about their product at all until it ends. Until they realize that. All publicity is good publicity. Hot Pockets was smart because as much as you shit on Hot Pockets, there was still a guy at every show dressed like a fucking Hot Pocket handing right. out Hot Pockets. Yeah. They still saw the value in the fact that they were being totally. talked about. Totally. And I think that I think that my McDonald's chunk is is a in the end a love letter to McDonald's. It's 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 just, you know, like this whole thing of People saying that we don't go to McDonald's or you might laugh at a friend like, oh, he goes to McDonald's or, oh, I'm so embarrassed I have a McDonald's cup in my car. It's like everyone goes there. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> – I mean we, we aspire to never go there. I'm not saying that you you might not go there. I've not and, eaten a McDonald's in uh, truthfully like six years. But that this is L.A. though where you know there's like a health – you yeah. know, you you can not eat meat in L.A. and go out to dinner for every single meal. But, like, if you're in Oklahoma City... I am on the road a lot, but I just can't bring myself... T- I just can't... You, know, I, you also I, don't have four kids. I do not have four and kids. You're not, and you're not a glutton. <laughs> I bought... Uh, I, 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 am a, I am a digital... What about you? Now, I, do you eat at I, McDonald's? I don't regularly, but Super Bowl Sunday, I bought 200 McNuggets for a Super Bowl party. And that cost him $5. <laughs> No. It was like it was like forty bucks, right? Two hundred—that's nothing. Forty for two hundred of something, right? For two hundred of anything is an excellent deal. And yeah. the amazing thing is, afterwards, he had 
190 yeah. nuggets. We actually we, we ended up eating 80 of them. 80? Yeah, yeah, and there was like 14 people at the party. But I'm also talking generally. It's like there there's been times in my life where I'm I'm very, you know, I would I remember I went like 6 years where I didn't have a Dorito. And, right. and then when I finally had one, I was like, this is disgusting. Now I'm so out of shape. I'm like, ah, oh, the different flavors of Doritos. Well, now, ta- They're now Taco Bell's doing that. Now Taco Bell is wrapping their tacos in Dorito. Brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. Right? I don't. Maybe. How could you not do that? But you, you're not going to go there. It's not for you. It's well, I for... just. Yeah. I just. I can't. I mean, I, I'm hard on myself because I'm like, oh, I don't eat well. But it, comparatively. I eat a lot better than most people. Right, yeah, you do. And what? Yeah, you do. <laughs> do you I? eat a lot better than me when I'm dieting? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> he could be fasting and you're eating better than him. You know what I think? I, I just, I just, um, you know, I used to, I used to be chunky, and I, I, I always, I'm always, I'm not obsessive about food, but I definitely. I, I never kind of, you know, that point in my life always represents when I just didn't, when I fucking hated myself. I had a doctor once say to me, "You'll never be a small guy." Whatever you do, and I was like, "All right." Well, why? Well, you know, but that I think. Let me just kick open the ball. I think that's wrong. I think that's actually wrong. I mean, you know, it's like Jonah Hill. You know, it's like he he may be really rich and really successful, but anyone can do what he did, right? Well, he's putting and and, you know, but you know, and you were like, you know, uh, you're like, oh, that was during a period where I hated myself. I mean, you know, and I think that there that's a very valid point. But I've been thin. And I'm pudgy, and I plan on getting very fat. No, but my point is, is that <laughs> some of it is the 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 chain is off the bike, you know, for me right now. Yeah, and that's I mean, not to say that I won't. Oh, that's become yeah. healthy. But I, I and, and I don't, and I'm not trying to suggest that. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't hate myself because I was fatter. I just. I hated myself, and as a result, I was doing a lot of things that were unhealthy well, right. we, to punish myself. And so that—that's what I mean. Like I don't, you know, whether you're thin or fat, it doesn't, you know, like, as long as you, as long as you're getting to it in a, in a good, healthy way. When right. we did the first podcast with Jim, I was a hundred pounds heavier than I am now. Yeah, I saw some pictures from uh, from like I was going through iPhoto and yeah. just looking at some old pictures. And I'm like, Matt has really dropped a <laughs> fucking a lot of weight. That's pretty cool. But you know what? whatever i'll never be a small guy but you know there's it's also relative right i mean i might you know uh eat mcdonald's or wendy's i'm not proud of it yeah you know i'm also saying my point is is that they sell six billion hamburgers a day so it's not as if no one's going there right it's not just mad and it's not it's not like your comment they're gonna be like we dropped a 5.9 billion Mm -hmm. right and, and so the the thing is, is also it's relative. You know, it's like I also like something warm. It's like, what are you eating in an airport? Because it's like for me, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to have the Annie's, you know, deep fried pretzel, whatever that. But it's really good with the butter. Oh, yeah. But that, but that, to me, it's like, well, that's not even, that's just dough. Right. <laughs> At least right. I'll have some, you know, McDonald's, you know, you, you, you know how much it's going to cost and you know how you know how much it's going to suck it's not going to suck that bad you know you're going to feel like crap afterwards but you know you know sometimes it's like what are you eating a salad at an airport you're going to wolfgang puck i mean what are you doing no what i mean i just eat you know i just eat sandwiches but i don't eat a lot like i i I don't 
I never eat until I'm full, which isn't really anything I try to do. It's I just do. like I'll have half a sandwich and I'll go, yeah, I'm good. Like I don't see that means you're a bad person. I think yeah. maybe it does. I'm a bad see, person. We have, yeah. uh, you know. I'm murdering a baby when I'm doing it with my <laughs> other hand. Does that make me a bad person? Jonah, what do you think? Oh, Jonah. <laughs> Jonah's not here. Uh, uh, my yeah, my brain. It supposedly takes 20 minutes for your stomach to tell your brain you're full, yep. right? Yep. I don't listen to that rule. Which I is so funny because I could just poke your arm and you'd be like, ow. I feel that. You're like, come on, body. Why can't you tell well, me I'm yeah. full faster? When, when I was healthy, I, uh, when I, I was, uh, I would, I would force myself to drink like a ton of water and then I would wait like 10 minutes and then I would, eat, then I would then be kind of full. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you trick your body into it. There you go. I'm a big fan of tricking my body into doing things. That was a trick that some, uh, I was remember, I remember Callista Flockhart was in this made-for-TV Lifetime movie about bulimia, mm-hmm. and that was what her model friend told her. Drink a bunch of water before you eat. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, then what happened? It worked out. She's still thin. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that really is what happened. <laughs> no, no, I don't a, think that's, that's what I took away from it. Ended. Um, so this last special, you you feel? did you feel good going into it, or do you still get... Do you still beat yourself up and stuff? Does that ever go away? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely do. And... Uh, there's also it's like when you're taping a special, the crowds were very nice, but there's it's never the idea. How was your audience when you were taping? Was it perfect or they were pretty amazing? They were they pretty, pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, they were really nice. I mean, I it's one of those weird things where you know I was shooting the special. And I'm like, this is so much fucking fun. I hope they're able to capture it on camera because comedy is very hard to shoot. It's it's very, very hard. hard to capture because it's such a. It's such a and it's such an in real life experience that you share right. with that group of people, and it's very hard to capture that in a way that conveys it to people who are that's watching why, at home. That's why Sinbad did it on a beach in the wind. Well, <laughs> did he? <laughs> but I think that's some some comedy doesn't translate well to to television or a screen at all. Right. But I think for me, it's. It, you know, I think there's also the there's with jokes. You you know, you come up with a joke. You you kind of work on it, and then it'll have a peak, and then there's a natural fatigue with it, right? And it'll go up and down. You'll be like, why isn't it working? We've all had a joke where yeah. it kills, and then suddenly it's just like, it's not working anymore. Yeah, but I think um, I think your stuff translates well to being shot because the jokes stand... The jokes can stand alone. They're very boring for themselves. So, yeah. No, they're not boring and simple. <laughs> I mean, they're just like they, they, they're just they just lie there. No, they're I, like knock knock jokes. What I mean is that what I mean is that I feel like there are some jokes I get away with. There are some jokes that in my head I go, eh, I don't think that's as funny. I don't think it's as funny as I get. I'm getting credit for with this audience. I think it's just because my energy is is pushing it a certain way that right. is. I feel like I'm tricking people a little bit. As opposed to if I just told them like, well, here's what the joke is, they'd be like, yeah, I don't know. what is that? But what is that no, about? I think there's it's it's also fun to do to do a you know to have a joke you know we want it to be undeniable right and to kind of do it on your heels because you know sometimes you're you're tired. I mean, I'm a low energy guy, so sometimes I'm literally like blah 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 blah, <laughs> and so it's 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 another truth serum. It's like if it's so funny, you can mumble through it. Yeah. Then it's really funny. Yeah. And then if you can kind of, you know, add a little dance to it, 
I mean, I'm not talking about an actual dance. I would like. Would you start dancing? You should dance. I I definitely am gonna. (laughs) I definitely definitely gonna dance. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start at punchlines, just having two backup dancers come out and do a routine, (laughs) and then run back off. I enjoy dancing, but like when I see like a dance montage in a television show, it makes me angry. Like on L.A. Law. It it you know or you L.A. Know, Law like, L.A. Law L.A. Law is what you pulled. Thank you for calling yourself out of that before I, I could say, say the Law words. and Order. No, no, yeah, Law and Order. They always have dance. You know when you're watching I L.A. Law. I meant to say another example that has no dancing. Oh, in it. that Arnie, he no, sure but fucks I, all those you know, girls. Like Drew, you know, it's like I like Drew, but his his uh, the opening number, yeah. or even in you know, it's it's just to me, it's just like. That should be an Annie. That should be in a musical. That shouldn't be in a comedy. I mean, it's unfair to say, probably, but that's just me going out on a limb, being anti-dance. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan hates dance. Anti-dance. <laughs> you know, because there is... there's, there's Jim Gaffigan to dance. Fuck you. I feel like there is something of uh, anti-cell mentality that I was kind of uh, brought up in comedy, you know, with yeah. Attell and Louie and... Todd Berry. It shouldn't be. Uh, there should be no dance. It should just be the material. It's, it's an interesting. They can. They should hate you, but they should like the joke. That's a very pure. I mean, it, it's it's a much more bulletproof. Yeah. Formula, I think that I, I it is it's I totally get that. I totally get that the comedy purist of like, you know, you should be behind a fucking sheet and right. your jokes should still be working. Right. That's yeah. There's something there. I don't know. Oh, but you know what? I forgot to bring up. In you know, in my special is five dollars. Pitch, pitch. No, but one of the dollars going back to like, because uh, I believe that people, you know, you can't be greedy. So like one dollar from every five dollars is going to be donated to the Bob Woodruff Foundation. So it's uh, that helps veterans and their families. So. It's it's like look I'm not doing this as some get rich quick scheme you know it's like I think that there's something about you know uh, it's not even like here's another reason to buy it it's just kind of like look uh, my intentions are 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 pure here it's not five dollars is a ridiculously reasonable amount of money to pay for a fucking hour of or seventy five yeah. minutes of yeah. comedy that is an insane you can't I mean. You can't even buy a fucking audio album. Plus, you can watch it on your TV because everything you connect to your TV now has the internet on it. Yeah, and and the the irony is is that I'm not I'm not I'm probably making more money. You know, like I have to pay for the production. I'm giving away a dollar, and people will buy it once, and for five dollars. So say, let's say I get three dollars. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like, that's more than I would make on a sale of a DVD. Absolutely. And it's like 800 times more than I would make on, on a CD. <laughs> right. So it's like, because that, that's the whole thing of like, I mean, I would, spend, I would spend $5 for a comedy special of a comedian I didn't like just to see what it looked like. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, you know it's, it could play in the background when I'm checking email. I'm only, everyone, I mean? everyone knows this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But it's just the, the, like the classic... The classic media distribution model said that these companies controlled all the distribution outlets and they controlled advertising. And that's why it made sense for you to put your thing with them and let them produce it and then take your nickel per DVD. Yeah. Because you're like, well, they're going to get it out to, you know, 20 million people. Right. 
but that just that has eroded and it just that's not necessarily the way it works anymore so you you are empowered to do these the, this 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 model it's interesting we're we're it's like we're in the wild west of uh you know with you know with the nerdist channel on youtube it's like it's like the the revolution has begun right well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if people are ready for it yet. We're definitely going to try. They're ready. We're gonna, They're ready. We're going to see. But if you, uh, if people want to get the special, it comes out April 11th. Would they just go to jimgaffigan.com? Yes. Jimgaffigan.com. At Jim Gaffigan on Twitter. Now, uh, this is something I'm probably going to start doing on the show. Sometimes I get shit for being too nice to people on my show. Okay. Because I think they think that negativity is yeah, more well, real or something. Why stick to your strong suit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Circumstant so, criticism. Well, I so, don't know what's happening here, but I love it. What's uh, so, fuck you for being here. <laughs> okay. I thought it was going to be like, Jim, why are you so unfunny? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was... Uh, Martin Bashir, have you ever seen him? He, no. In yeah. interviews, you should, you should YouTube him. Okay. Because some of those interviews, you're like... Holy shit, come on, Martin. <laughs> you invited this guy to be on your show. Yeah. And he's like, is it true that you once were rude to women? Doesn't that reflect you being a misogynist? And you're like, the guy's like sitting there going, I, I'm promoting a book where I talk about Jesus. <laughs> a book where Jesus beats women? Isn't Jesus a Jew? And you're <laughs> what, like, what? What's happening? What, what are you doing? Uh, but uh, anyway, it's always good to see you. And I wish you the best of luck on your on your bus tour. Thank you. Take videos. Uh, your bus tour. It is Sounds doing a weird bus tour. Say it like that. He's doing a family bus it's tour. It's a comedy tour. It's a comedy tour. He's getting there via bus. Yeah, so yeah. a bus uh, tour. I'm going to be a lot less sleep. <laughs> but it'll be good. Uh, do you know the bus driver? No, I talked to him on the phone. Oh, you did? He oh. has six kids. Oh, so he understands. Hopefully. What if he was like, no, I'm doing this to get away from six yeah, kids? Yeah, no, he probably, you know, that's probably one of the <laughs> Hey, Jim, can I bring my kids? <laughs> yeah. Ten kids. It'll be it'll be very interesting. Uh, well, he did a Cracker Barrel for me, and uh, it's good to see you. And thanks again for coming. And I wish you the best of luck, Mr. Universe. April 11th, JimGaffigan.com. $5. $1 goes to charity. For Christ's sake, do this. Now. Jim's not trying to get rich. Yeah, do it right now. But well, if he accidentally got rich, that would be I okay. If I accidentally got rich. If I'm he not, accidentally found your pile of money, he's not I'm not going to be like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I got four kids to hopefully put through college or a bunch of rehabs. I need the money. <laughs> Probably both. No. Probably both. Well, thank you again, and uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.